transition. I'm super excited about this. Um, Normally what we do is that we read the scripture, but because I'm in charge of the children's nativity pageant, and I know some of you got a chance or missed out on a chance to be Mary and to be the angel in your own children's nativity pageant, I wanted to call someone up here. And so I need a volunteer to be Mary in our scripture reading today, and I need a volunteer to be the angel. Who do I have? Come on, someone. Someone back from college. Someone like Peter Reimers who really wants to be my angel. Please, please, please come on up. I've got a script for you. It's going to be awesome. Who wants to be Mary? Who really got, like, missed out? Didn't get a chance to be Mary when they were younger. Someone. Yvette Ramsey, is that? Is that you raising your hand? So here's your script. Oh, thank you. Just, uh, just put your arms out. Oh, shoot. Oh, this is a, a whole It's intense. Travel. It's intense. We got it. We got it. It's happening. It's happening. Sorry, it's fit for children, you know. You're not child size. Oh, not one size fits And uh, the color of Mary, I don't know if you knew this, is actually blue. So I, mean, I don't want to mess up your hair. So you just can have a shawl. It's wonderful. And then we've got, we've got a little script for you right there. And I'll be the narrator. Does that sound like a good plan? Sounds oh, like yeah. a great plan. Okay, so it's much more fun when we have some, uh, some people acting things out. And so today's scripture reading... Let's go. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel then said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord of God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? Then the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. So much more fun when the scripture is meant to be to be read as a play. It seems so silly that we we just read it plainly. Let's pray before we we really get into the word of God. Dear God, thank you for your word. Thank you for coming to us as a baby boy. Thank you for coming to us as a tender, tender, simple, easy to deal with, little Jesus. But Lord, we know one day you grew up into a mighty, mighty king. Were you ever just a little baby boy? No, you were a mighty king ever since the beginning. 
And in the midst of this Christmas season, let us draw closer to you. Not just thinking of you as a baby boy, but thinking of you as the king, as the Messiah, as something to be a force to be reckoned with. In your name we pray. Amen. So this Christmas season, no doubt you've been bustling and busy and listening to handbells and eating Christmas cookies and getting presents and also giving lots of presents. But you know what? You're here. You've taken a moment to remember what Christmas season is really all about. After all, the, the, the phrase, let's put the Christ in Christmas. You all are here at church. Lots of you will come back for one of our four Christmas Eve services because you really do want to remain, have the focus remain in Jesus this season. And one of my favorite aspects, of course, of Christmas is the reading of the the pageant story, the nativity. I love having little children come forward and have the nativity pageant. And so we have the angels and the shepherds and we've got the innkeepers and we add in some other characters sometimes. I love that. I love sitting by my, my own self and drinking something hot and reading the story in the scripture. Or maybe there's a devotional that you particularly like. Or there's always the Charlie Brown Christmas, right? I love the story. Now, I've heard it ever since I was a little girl. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard bits and pieces of it. Or maybe you're, you could probably retell it with great accuracy yourself. It's a story that has captured the imagination of people for, not, for thousands of years. Thousands of years and billions of people in so many cultures have been also captivated by this story. And we only read part of it today, and you can find the rest of it in the Gospels of Matthew and also Luke. As you piece it together, you can be part of that story and learn where you can find more truth. And that's my job today, to have dug a little bit deeper, to scratch the surface, and to find something that is interesting and new and wonderful about this particular story And I love that I, as a female pastor, got to preach on one of the Mary passages. Because looking at it from a different perspective of being a woman just seems like the right thing to do. But I also know that coming at it from a male perspective is a wonderful way to do too. So we're going to come at it in lots of different perspectives. But I think you you can come along with me. So first of all, the Christmas story, well, it's not just a story, is it? It's a true story something that we've believed for a long time. There are plenty of fictitious stories. You all grew up learning the Odyssey or the Iliad or Camelot or Robin Hood. And of course, there's Santa Claus. These are just a few examples of legendary stories with ageless appeal. One of the reasons why these stories are known by so many people and adopted as their mantra is because they describe human desire and the drama, and the universe. These are things that transcend time and people and space. But even though these stories and characters seem larger than life, they're not true. We all know that Santa Claus... Are there any children in here? I'm not going to say it. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we all know that Homer and the Iliad and the Odyssey, it's just, it's just not something that's true. It's just something, a mantra of the people of that time. In the general culture, though, it's likely to think that people don't believe the Christmas story. 
with its cast of well-known characters and a made-up tale handed down through the centuries. I mean, do you really believe that there were angels and a super bright star that moved the wise men all the way from the east, all the way across an entire continent just to honor a baby? Do you really believe that? And then there's the part of the virgin birth. I've been challenged that at Christmas parties. I don't know if you ever have been. That can't be true. That's so made up. But if you really believe the Christmas story, we shouldn't take offense to these wonderings and these questions, but more so take an opportunity to talk about what your faith is really all about. It's not just about a bunch of old dudes wandering in a desert following a star or a bunch of dirty shepherds stumbling their way to a barn. It's more than that. They're legitimate questions. They're questions we can ask ourselves. And it's important that we know the answers and that we find them or that we're on our way to finding them. I would argue that Christmas story is unique, unique more than those other epic tales, because it's not only capturing our imagination, but it's about the devotion of people. It tells us about God and why it was necessary for God to reach out to human creation. And this was the best way possible. This was the best way possible. I don't know if you've ever heard the birdcage story. It's one of those stories that like went around on the internet in the 1990s. And it's one of those stories that you can probably read in like chicken soup for the, the teenage soul or something. The idea that farmer looked outside and it was snowy and he saw some chicks and he thought, oh my gosh, these chicks, they're going to freeze outside because it's not California. He's probably like in Nebraska or something. So these chicks are outside, and he thought, the farmer thought, oh my goodness, I need to get these chicks inside. I need to get these chicks inside. They're going to freeze. I don't want them to die. And so he tries to shoo them into his barn. But of course, what do chicks do? They scatter. They're everywhere. They don't follow him. He said, come on, come on. He leaves little breadcrumbs. He tries to get them all over there. He even gets one of his big chickens to, like, know the way. Nothing. And then the farmer thought, oh, if I could only just become one of the chicks then they would follow me. And that's what God does in his story. He becomes one of us so that we could follow him because we're just like chickens. We'll just scatter ourselves even though it's snowing outside and it's dangerous and it's cold. It's a powerful story, the Christmas story. The Christmas story is a true story, and secondly, it's a story that we can find ourselves in. And I'm not talking about being one of those characters in the nativity pageant, a shepherd, an angel, wise men, take your choice. But it's about how human they were. It's about how human we are. What we have through scripture up until this point is both people of Israel, the New Testament people, right before Jesus was born, needing wanting, desiring reality to be different. I mean, there was political turmoil. There was ethnic domination. The religion of God's people, the Jewish people, the Pharisees had taken it and they had gotten it corrupted. Nothing was going right in the world. And that's the place where Jesus enters into. And so thirdly, this is a story of the example of how we can find devotion to God. One any disciple, and we're all disciples here, one any disciple would want to take notes on. And we see how the Luke 
the gospel writer takes us in that place. So our scripture for today directs us to a very young, probably around 16-year-old girl, whose fear and whose faith made her do unreasonable and ridiculous things. But isn't that what fear and faith do? I mean, ask a newspaper editor and what sorts of stories make the news lines. Royalty, religious, promiscuity. So much of this is in our headlines. It could be titled, Pop Stars Love Child, or The Princess Has a Secret Affair, or what's even better, The King's Secret Night with a Nun. So when people read the story of the angel Gabriel coming to Mary and there's the whole virgin birth thing, it's easy for our minds to jump the way that the newspapers have taught us to jump and conditioned us to do. So people have read into the story all sorts of different things that are not actually there and they've failed to notice what is actually there. And Matthew and Luke, our gospel writers on this, are simply reporting that Jesus didn't have a father didn't have a father in the ordinary way, mind you. And it's because Mary had been given special grace to be a mother, to be a mother of God's incarnate self. Incarnate is a fancy word for God becoming us. So don't listen to your mind and what makes you focus on certain parts of the story. I want to reorient your mind to this kind of a story. An angel came to Mary and said, do not be afraid. For you have found favor with God, and this is the plan. You're going to become pregnant with God, and it's a big deal because the world really needs him to rule over all of the earth and heaven. And Mary asks the logical question, how? I'm a virgin. And so the angel says, the Holy Spirit can do amazing things. And then Mary, she said yes. Think about how remarkable that answer, that response is. Mary said yes to this plan, this ridiculous, uncomprehensible plan. You see, Luke, where all the angels tell people something that will change reality. Right before the angels come in, right before all of this happens, the angels say something really important. And it's something that God wants to tell all of us because God has an important plan for all of us to say yes to. And the angel comes up and says, do not be afraid. And it's not about the angelic, beautiful being. It's not about the glow that's coming from the angel. It's not about the fact that the angel is a stranger. It's about the fact that the news is so important and so unreasonable that you would be asked to do something crazy and so the first words out of the angel's mouth are, do not be afraid. And isn't that what God wants to tell us? I want you to do something great with your life. I have a plan for you, but do not be afraid. Because fear drives us to do weird things. Fear makes us back away. We all have fears. What's your biggest fear? One day when I was, um, when I had some roommates in South Pasadena, I was living in a house. It was like a 1907 kind of a house and we had mice. And so we learned that we needed to get an exterminator and I was a little bit more hands-on than the rest of my roommates and I was ready to get rid of those, those mice. Um, but one day my roommate, Amy, 
she, I found her when I came home. She was standing on top of our dining room table. And I later learned the story that um, she had found a mouse in her bathtub. And that was a very freaky out thing for her to do. And so she had taken a bucket and she had put it on top of the mouse. And then she had put some caution tape over the door to the bathroom. And then also the door of her bedroom. So there are two layers of separation between her and the mouse. And then she was also on top of the table. So that was three layers of separation. And this is what I came home to. Amy being afraid of this mouse. Now, when I actually went to go find the mouse, it was so precious. It was like a baby mouse that like didn't even have its eyes open yet. I thought, Amy, come on. I mean, we could have caught this and, you know, saved the dramatics for later. But it was a really interesting story about the fact that she was afraid of something. And she couldn't go on with the rest of her day. It was a block. It was a fear over something so small as a mouse. Now, maybe you're really afraid of mice, but put yourself into some situation. Here's another one. So I remember when my husband, Mike, and I were staying over at his parents' house, and all of a sudden, um, I heard this click click, click, click. And I thought, Mike, you got to go, go see what it is. We were on the bottom floor of the house and his parents were upstairs. And so whatever was coming at us was going to get us first. And so I was really worried about this. So I pushed him out of the door and I said, please go look what it is. And he came back and he said, it's the ice machine. Sometimes we just get fearful of things. That night it was sleep with my roommate. It was the rest of her day. And those are silly examples, but we really can get fearful of some really big things, can't we? About moving up to a new job. About saying yes to a girl. About saying yes to God. We really can be fearful of a lot of things, and it can hold us back. And to be honest, God asks us to do some pretty unreasonable things. And so we have a right to be fearful. But the first thing the angel says is, do not be afraid. My favorite thing about this passage is that Mary, now I may be putting words in in God's mouth, I really feel like Mary became the first disciple at this moment. Mary became the first disciple. I mean, remember back in the story, like it's, it's Mark chapter 12 or something like that. It's further down where Jesus is walking along the beach with his flowy blonde hair, I'm sure. And he says, Peter, Put down your nets. Come follow me. And that's the story of the first disciples, right? No, I really think this is the first disciple thing. I mean, you can challenge me theologically. We can have a conversation over a cup of coffee. Mary says yes to a baby being born. That's when she becomes the first disciple, right? I mean, she's going to walk with this guy throughout his entire life. She's heavy laden with the burden of watching her son or knowing that her son will be crucified, knowing that her son will save an entire people. Mary's the first disciple because she said yes. And she's been praised throughout history. I mean, we joke a little bit that other churches have like exonerated Mary into a saint um, or even somebody to pray to instead of God. But she's a really special person. And we do need to take a step back and realize that she could be one of the best examples of how to be a disciple that we could all pay attention to. She had struggles. I mean, she had to tell Joseph that she was pregnant. And if the Joseph thing didn't work out, maybe Joseph said, ah, I can't handle this because he's afraid and he could walk away. I guess she could go to her dad. I mean, you have to be attached to a man at this day and age. But her dad could still say no. It was a scary time 
for pregnant Mary. But see, she still said yes. Being favored by God doesn't sound so simple, does it? There's many reasons to be afraid. But yet, Mary didn't hesitate to accept God's plan for her life. There's really no indication that she complained about this. But of course, we can read between the lines. So we could practice the phrase, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. May everything you said about me come true. May this Christmas season for you be more about discipleship. That instead of just thinking about all of the blessings that God has given you, think more critically about the challenge that God has given you. What kind of a servant are you? Become a Christmas storyteller. You know the story. Or go watch the Nativity Pageant or go watch Charlie Brown Christmas. Become a Christmas storyteller this Christmas. Know that the story is true. And when those questions come looming, really those wise men followed a star to a baby in a barn? Really? An angel gleaming with glory showed up to a girl and told her that she was going to have virgin birth? That's crazy talk. Know the story in your heart. Because Christmas is not Christmas without Christ. And there we will find a baby wrapped in cloth in a barn. But really, that baby doesn't just stay a baby. That baby calls us to follow him later on in the chapters. And because we have the knowledge of the entire story, let's not just stay with the baby. Let's know that God is calling us all to follow, to say yes, to say yes. Let's pray. Dear God, it's an amazing story. Thank you for making it so clear and being so detailed and making it a fun story for us to read. But God, in the midst of the shepherds and the wise men and the angels, let us remember that there were some characters that really had to wrestle, really had to wrestle with what was going on in their own life and put it aside so that your true, true word could come true. God, we thank you for this special Christmas time that we can marinate and think about all of the truths that you have given us. And as we draw nearer to Christmas, let us celebrate. Celebrate with joy, hope, love, and peace. In your name we pray. Amen.